Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I want to start today, though, with the Harvard president who, uh, yeah, she's in at Harvard. How about that? You know, uh, kind of amazing when you see what we saw from Congress here just a week ago today. The fact that they could not say that calling for an infatata against the Jewish people, genocide against the Jews, was actually something that was against the Harvard Code of Ethics. Same thing with MIT and same thing with the University of Pennsylvania, which fired McGill already. And I shouldn't say fired McGill. They demoted her, really, because she still is getting a paycheck from him. But uh, just can't be our president because uh, not because of anything, any moral stand that we as a university have made, but because it would look too bad. It would look too bad. Uh, so Harvard, the president is still in. You've had uh, over 500 people sign a letter in support of her saying that she is dedicated to changing the culture at Harvard. She has listened to making sure that uh, it is a welcoming environment for everybody, uh, I guess, except if you're Jewish. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe if you believe in Western civilization, maybe it's not so welcoming if you're Jewish or you actually believe in a concept called Western civilization. I wonder if they actually teach a Western civ at Harvard anymore. That's something that I, if anybody knows, by the way, open up the phone lines, 1-800-848-9222. If you know if they teach Western civilization at Harvard, then uh, I'd love to know that. Western civilization generally is taught in grade school, but looking at how much we've actually lost from reading and mathematics over the last five years, maybe it's now a college course. I don't know. I would imagine it's not because that probably is, uh, that's probably a microaggression. Yeah, that's right. You know what was interesting? I mentioned this yesterday, and I thought about the fact that on these college campuses, while it didn't bother these presidents, hearing for genocide against Jews. Remember, the last five, six years, we've been hearing about a term called microaggressions. Now, this to me, ladies and gentlemen, has been one of the biggest jokes that I could think of. As somebody who's grown up in New York City, who grew up around cops, who grew up around my father, who spent four years working for President Trump, knowing him for 25 years and spending a lot of time with him, who hang around WABC with the likes of the Curtis Lewis of the world and the Sid Rosenbergs of the world. If you can't take a microaggression or a macroaggression, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, then you got to go and dig your head back into that stand and, I, I don't know, become an ostrich or something like that. Because this truly is the weakening of the American culture. If you can't go out there and realize that, guess what? In life, you're going to get a couple of scrapes. Get up. Learn to get up with these scrapes. But it got me thinking, microaggressions, where did they come from? Well, you want to know the ironic thing about microaggressions? It was coined by a Harvard professor in the 1970s. How ironic is that? This guy's name is Chester Pierce, 
and he coined the term microaggressions back in the 1970s at Harvard. So again, uh, microaggressions, we're going to create safe spaces. We're going to make sure that if you get looked at the wrong way, uh, that if there is a suggestion that you could be offended by something that may not have been intended to offend somebody, but if you may have been offended by a look, by a thought, talk about the thought police, um, then you would be more in the wrong on a campus like Harvard than if you called for genocide of Jews. Now, not to be a George Carlin over here, because I think I'd get taken off the radio here pretty quickly if I went through those seven words. It was seven words, I believe it was, right? Those seven words of George Carlin. But I did want to get a list of microaggressions and some examples. And I was running through this uh, before, and it actually, some of these really, really made me laugh. If you tell somebody who's not from America that, you speak English very well, then that is a microaggression. Kind of amazing to me because guess what? I don't speak a second language. I guess I don't have the intelligence to do it. I, you know, I, I worked on Spanish, but uh, my Spanish was terrible. I mean, I used to say when I get stuck in class, uh, hablo un poco español. That means speak a little bit of Spanish. Uh, but New York City, pero New York City, es el mejor city in the world. New York City is the best city in the world. Um, so, uh, so that's what would get me out of my duties in Spanish class. Terrible, right? I, I can't speak Spanish. If somebody said, Andrew, you speak Spanish. Well, first off, I would know that they were patronizing me because you just got a little bit of an example of my Spanish speaking. No bueno. Um, but if for some reason I did speak Spanish well, and I put the time and effort to do that. And somebody said, Andrew, you speak Spanish. Well, you know what I would do? A little bit of me, my chest would swell up with a little bit of pride and say, you know, the work that I put into that, it was worth it. I got a nice compliment from a nice human being about that. Now, if you want to talk about intelligence, you are a credit to your race. That is a microaggression, according to a list from uh, UCLA, Diversity and Faculty Development. Um, In terms of colorblindness, when you say, I don't see color. Now, I, I will say this. I see color. I think we all see color, right? I know if somebody is walking by me, if they're white or if they're black and all that stuff. I think the key point in all of this is just because somebody is white or black, I'm not going to treat them any differently because of the color of their skin. That's something from a guy named Martin Luther King. How about that? I will measure. I can't wait till we are measured on the content of our character and not the color of our skin. Or how about this? America is a melting pot. That is a microaggression. I'm surprised it's only a microaggression because according to these crazy characters, uh, America being a melting pot, America is a colonist land, according to them. I guess they didn't realize that there's no country in history that has worked to get rid of slavery, worked for civil, civil rights faster than the United States of America. Really, since our founding documents, we have been looking internally in trying to figure out what have we done wrong, how can we get better. That does not mean that America is forever tainted. What that means is America is forever trying to improve, right? That's the thing that you should come out in all of this. Um, here's one, and this is probably kind of stupid to say, right? If uh, if you're saying, if you're, if you're kind of being confronted, let's say, about, yeah, maybe, maybe you're not the, uh, you know, maybe you don't have enough friends uh, that, are, that are of, uh, no, 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 I, I'm not racist. 
I have several black friends. Okay, don't don't say that. That's kind of stupid right there. I wouldn't call that a microaggression, but it's kind of kind of stupid, I'll put it there. Um there are a couple other good ones in here too as well. I'll get to a couple more in a little bit here. But the point being, major point being is there's a complete double standard, right? When you see what these college campuses have done with Israel in particular, and I specifically focus on Israel and and the terrorist, the pro-terrorist protests on these college campuses led uh, by, see, some of the people that are presidents of the law school. Take a look at NYU, for example. Um, It is absolutely crazy when you think that you can go and call for genocide against people. And then, by the way, this is not like this happened yesterday and they were called down to Congress. These presidents were called down to Congress the next day and they didn't have time to think about their answers, which, by the way, might be as good of an indication as any to where they actually stand on an issue. They brought in, I think it was Wilmer Hale as a as a as a law firm, but they had law firms. They had strategists looking at this saying, what will this mean to the future of Harvard University, what will this mean to Massachusetts Institute of Technology? What could this mean to the University of Pennsylvania? And guess what? They still botched it completely. They still showed that they absolutely have no clue about what this hate speech, what this actually means on their private campus. Haven't stuck up for the First Amendment. They have not stuck up for the First Amendment for the last decade, at least publicly for the last decade. Conservative, you're a conservative speaker, you're not welcome here. We're going to cancel your stuff, and guess what? That same mob that is calling for genocide of Jews, that we talk about having a First Amendment right, they don't believe about giving you a First Amendment right. You have somebody that's a conservative speaker, let's say, on there, that's coming to your campus, that might actually be good for true diversity, diversity of thought. Right. You should have diversity of thought. That's part of critical thinking. You should be presented with ideas that are liberal, conservative, and you should look at everything and say, hey, let me try to figure out how to solve this problem. What's a better way to solve this problem? Is it for government to grow? Is it for there to be a larger budget or is it for for government to be more efficient? There are merits To both of those, potentially, there certainly is a heart, and I believe there certainly is a way in which you actually look at, okay, what's the logical way about it? Guess what? It's a public policy discussion that should be had. But no, on college campuses, you're conservative. You can't be having that philosophy right here.